Mm. I love this man. Woo! And I love his wife. Woo! Can I just tell you, if that didn't ring your bell, your clapper's broke. <laughs> Hello? Whew. I am so worshipped. Woo! Where do we go from there? You, you didn't want to follow her. Now we, we don't want to follow, follow you. you. <laughs> but we're going to follow what? him. Yeah, God's a good thing to follow. Hmm. God wants to speak to you today. He already has. The other day, uh, when we lived in Shreveport, Steve and Debbie Wilson were from Dallas, but for 20 years we lived in Shreveport. We moved to Dallas because grandbabies. Thank you. We're driving to Shreveport. We're driving to Dallas from Shreveport, and I had a I had something wrong with my thumb, and I couldn't see it, but it consumed my life for three hours. What is that thing? And I said, do you see anything? She goes, I don't see anything. It hurts. I can't see anything. We got to Janae's house, and I got a straight pin, and I thought, I'm going to find out what that is. And I dug and dug and dug. And I got a splinter out. And can I tell you, my thumb doesn't hurt today. Because I dug the splinter out. I couldn't even see it because it had been there so long. Will you go with us today? Some of us have splinters. Things that happened in our life that have been covered up by time but they're still a little painful. Can I tell you, everybody's got a story. And this weekend, we had the privilege and the honor of sitting down with many of you and go, tell us your story. If I could sit down with you today, if I could come sit in your pew and go, tell me your story. Tell me, tell me the, the good things in your life that's happened. Tell me some of the bad things in your life that have happened. And my question to us today is how are the bad things in your life, how are the bad things in your life affecting you today how are the bad things in your life infecting you today? You know, God's got a, God always has a word for us. He's got a word for you. When you get a splinter in your life and it's, and it's skinned over to the point where you don't even see it, but it's tender. You know, if we were driving in the car, I'd, I'd, I'd say to Debbie, Look at my fingers. And I'm glad she didn't go, well, what's wrong with that thing? Why'd well, go, I ain't going, I ain't letting you see my thumb again. Why? Because it's tender. You ever broke your arm, you get your cast off? Well, you're real tender. It's tender. But God's got a word for us. In James, <laughs> did not have a clue we were going to, he did not have a clue we were going to James today. James is an amazing book for us. 
In James, the first chapter, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you got splendors in your fingers. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work. So you become mature, complete, and lacking nothing. I don't know about you, but when I read those verses, I don't go, yes, man, I'm excited I'm going through that trouble. Consider it pure joy, my brother. If, and you might, you're a whole lot more spiritual than I am, but I'm going, Jesus, what are you doing here? What's up with this? But I know this, because of a trial in my life, I grew up in a very negative, alcoholic home with a very bitter mother. So let me ask you a question. When trials come your way, I'm gonna give, we're going to give you three points today, and Al, we're not going to show the video. But we're going to give you three points today. And point number one is, when trials come your way, because of trials in your life, have those trials made you bitter, or have they made you better? Can I give you some homework to do during church today? I'm going to ask you to take your bulletin. And I looked at your bulletin this morning, and on the back of your uh, information sheet that you probably still have in your bulletin, there's a blank page. And here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Would you write, look at my face, would you write... There's some kids having some fun out there, can I just tell you? <laughs> they're not considering the pain of the, they're just life. Wouldn't you like to be a kid again? No. 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 Thank you, I'm okay. I want you to write in, look at my face, I want you to write in your bulletin today. What's the worst day of your life? What's, what are, what's, when I said, hey, tell me the best day of your life, and then I said, tell me the worst day of your life, you know what? The Holy Spirit brought something to your mind. And the reason we're asking you to do this, and believe me, you can, you can write down whatever you want. It might be a date. Right. Code I mean, it. if you want to code it, we want you to write it down because we're going to ask you to do something with it at the end of the service today. We want you to play. We want you to... Take a chance and a risk and write down the worst day of your life. Steve said a while ago, when trials come in your life, we don't consider it joy at the moment. If you walk with God for a period of time, you begin to understand that when trials and difficulties come, it is an opportunity to get to see God at work. That's right. I, a few years ago, Steve and I went to Honduras. And we did a marriage conference there for the missionaries. When we go to Honduras, I can't use my cell phone because it costs too much money. So for four or five days, I've just turned my cell phone off. And when I do that, I have to just trust that my family's going to be okay because they can't get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. 
So we went and did this marriage conference, and the day that, the, that one of the missionaries that put the, the marriage conference together, he was taking us to the airport to get on a plane to fly back home. And he answered his phone, his phone's there from Honduras. I could tell something was wrong. When he got off the phone, he looked at me and he said, Debbie, you need to call home as quickly as possible. Well, can I tell you, I could have cared less how much money it cost. So I picked up my phone and I turned it on and I immediately called my daughter. When I got her on the phone, I said, Janae, what is wrong? She said, Mom, I hate having to tell you this. And I said, what's wrong? She said, one of your good friends, Judy Leonard, her 33-year-old daughter committed suicide. And she said, Mom, I knew you'd want to know. Carla was a mother of two little girls. And for the life of me, to this day, I'm still uncertain as to why she would take her life. It was like a dark cloud was over our heads as we flew home. And in my mind, I couldn't help but hurt for Judy. We got to Shreveport, where we were living at that time, and we got in our car, and as quickly as we could, we made our way to Steve and Judy Leonard's house. We walked in the door. The house was full of people, friends and family that were there to love on them, and I made my way through a crowd to find my Judy. Mm. And when I got to her, she was just a zombie. Like, how? How did this happen? I just held her in my arms and I wept. You know, there's no words. What in the world do you say? I loved on her for a while, and then Steve and I stayed for about 30 or 45 minutes and visited with people trying to find answers, trying to figure out what had happened. We finally thought, you know what, it's time to go. And so I went to find Judy to say goodbye to her. And she was sitting on a couch. And in the midst of her darkest storm, I went to her and I said, because what do you say? Sometimes you're just clueless. And sometimes you say things that don't make sense. And I held her in my arms and I said, Judy, how are we going to get through this? Mm. And in the midst of her darkness, she said, oh, Debbie, God will get us through. He always does. That is a person that found joy in the midst of one of the hardest things I think a mother could ever go through. But her faith was so strong that she knew her God would never leave her nor forsake her, and he would show himself mightily during that time. That's how you find joy. It's almost like when I discovered this phrase in this verse, my heart said, God, bring on the trials because I want to see you. And I just wonder if that's our heart today. Or do we sit in these pews holding on to those horrible days, maybe mad at God? That's right. Maybe you view God as a God that calls that to happen. Let me just tell you, he didn't cause that to happen. We bring a lot of things on ourselves. But he did promise you that this life would not be easy. This isn't our home. And can <laughs> Thank I tell you, goodness, can this I tell isn't you, our home. Bad things happen to good people. Mm. It does. I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but I know that when we, when we go through the trial, we either, we either have, the, we have the choice. I have the choice to be either bitter or better. I have the choice to say, you know what? I will never go back to that church again. Well, you got a choice. Or I can go, hey, God, uh, 
What's going on here? Growing up in an alcoholic home, I could have said, well, God, if you're a God love, why did I have to grow up in that family? You see, God is a God love, and he'll take, he'll take your misery, watch this, he'll take your misery and turn that misery into ministry. I'm, I'm on staff at, I was on staff at Summer Grove Baptist Church, and I did a lot of the counseling, and a young couple came into my office, and, and, and they were Mr. and Mrs. Christian when they went to Texas A&M University, and and, and they married, and they moved, and he was in Shreveport trying to get into med school, and they're just having a horrible time with their marriage, and we're talking about, they're beating each other up, and we're talking about some things, and she's just angry, and, and we talked about it, and talked about it, and we counseled, I counseled with them a couple of times, and the third time they came into my office, she came in a few minutes early, and, and she walks in, and he, she said, uh, oh, he'll be here in a little bit. But she walked in and sat down in my office, and she leaned forward, and she goes, look. She separated her hair, and she had three stitches in her head. I said, tell me about that. She goes, he hit me. I don't put up with that. Abuse at all. I live in, we lived in Louisiana. We have alligators. I could get him lost in the name of Jesus. I don't Alligator ate him up here. I don't know how that happened. He's kidding. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But he came in my office, and I, I, I just attacked him. I said, there is no excuse for that behavior. And he said this, well, she just pushes my buttons. I said, unplug your buttons. Ah! I mean, it was an intense counseling session. We, went to, we did the hour, and after the hour, uh, they left, and the next week, it's amazing when you're in counseling and you really jump on somebody's case about something, they, have, they find excuses not to come back. Hello? Well, the next week, he had to work. <sighs> she walks in, and I said, where is he? And she goes, he's not coming this week. And I, we talked a little bit, and I sat back in my chair, and I said, okay, tell me, for some reason, I can't put my finger on what is going on between the two of you. It's just, it's just a battle and a battle and a battle. And I said, is there anything in your life you don't even think Jesus could forgive? She started crying. And see, I, I'm okay with tears because, see, I think... Tears here heal the heart. I think water softens things. And she cried for literally 30, 40 minutes. And after that amount of time, she finally got her breath, and I said, okay, tell me what it was. She said, uh, there's only five people that know. She goes, I know. My husband knows. My mom and dad knows. And the guy that made me pregnant knows. At the age of 18, I had an abortion. And I said, did Jesus forgive you for that? She goes, oh, I know he has. I said, he has. I said, but when are you going to forgive you? She goes, that's it, isn't it? And I said, yeah. I said, uh, will you allow me to pray over you and for you to allow you to forgive you? She goes, yeah, we prayed. and and. She, after we got through praying, she sat back in her chair and she goes, I thought, she is going to hyperventilate. And I said, are you okay? And she goes, 
It's the first time I could breathe in eight years. Woo! That was in May, and I did, they, they moved back to Dallas, and I didn't see him June, July, and August. And September, I get an email from her, said, hey, Steve, her name really was Debbie. She said, hey, Steve, this is Debbie. You haven't heard from us for the summer, but I just wanted to let you know, we didn't get it, my husband didn't get into med school, and we moved back to Dallas, and we didn't have a job for the summer, and Young Life Camp in Colorado needed some counselors this summer, and my husband and I had the best summer of our life, and, and I just wanted to let you know you're, you're right in what Satan intends to make you, to, to keep you in misery, Jesus will turn into a ministry, and she goes, she goes, we went to this Young Life Camp all summer, and guess who I got to counsel? I got to counsel girls that have had abortion. Best summer of my life. Bitter or better? See, there's things that happen to our life that you can stay bitter or you can allow Jesus to heal and make you better. And then what he'll do is turn that into an opportunity for ministry because you'll start looking at people differently. When Jesus heals your hurt, he takes your hurt and opens your eyes to other hurts and he brings those type of people into your life. Bitter or better? That scripture goes on and says, the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, this exposes your faith. When the, when the pain comes, your faith is exposed. It's really easy, isn't it, to praise Jesus when things are good? Right here. But when things are bad, that hand kind of goes down a little bit. Can I, can I give you all a newsflash? We're not here for us. Did you all know that? We're here for him. Can I tell you, sometimes wisdom comes out of the mouth of babies. Ooh. We have four grandchildren. I've told you that. I, I could tell you more, but I won't. We could show you pictures. No. <laughs> but we were at the beach about four years ago with the whole family. And Morgan Lily is our oldest grandchild. And I was in the kitchen cooking breakfast, and she comes into the kitchen, and she's just a sassy little thing. I'm just crazy about her. She walks into the kitchen. She puts her little hands on her hips, and she said, Dee Dee, Dee Dee's about the sweetest name you could ever have. She said, Dee Dee, do you know why I exist? Four years old. And I'm thinking, whoa. And I thought, okay, i got to get this right. I mean, that's a big old question. She obviously has the answer, so i got to get it right. So I thought for a few minutes, and then I got down on her level, and I said, oh, Morgan Lily. I said, you exist so that your Dee can love you forever and ever. And she said, no, Dee <laughs> She said, I exist to glorify God. Can I just tell you? We exist to glorify God. Right. And let me tell you one of the reasons we should be glorifying God. I love this man. Ugh. Just get me on his subject of him, and I just weep. I want to tell you something that happened in the early years of our marriage that I've never forgotten. We'd been married for a couple of years, and we lived in Hawkins, Texas. Steve was a youth minister at First Baptist Church, Hawkins, Texas.
He didn't have a whole lot of work to do in the office, and because he's a people person, this is just what he did. Every Tuesday, he would get in his car, and he would go visit church members. Steve is an encourager. Steve is a lover. And so all he would do was walk into people's homes and love on them and encourage them for about 30 or 40 minutes. That's all he did. He was Jesus with skin on. Well, this one particular Tuesday, he goes to see these people that live on land. Now, y'all, I'm a city girl, but all I know is he drove down a long dirt road, and when he got to this house, he was met by six or seven dogs. That's was, just typical, right? It was a dairy farm, and you know, dairy farms have, they, they just have stray dogs everywhere. So he gets out of his car, he makes his way to the front door, all these nasty, mangy dogs follow him to the door. He goes in, visits with his family for about 30 or 40 minutes. When he comes out, all the dogs are gone, but one. There's this little mangy dog sitting on the front porch. Well, Steve just begins to tell the family goodbye. He makes his way to the car, and this dog comes right there with him. So he said, Debbie, I looked down, and he said, if that dog could have talked. He said, I felt like that dog was saying, Mister, can you get me out of here? <laughs> now, Steve has always been for the underdog. And so he looked down at that dog and he looked at the people and he said, Hey, do y'all want this dog? And they went, No, you can have a few more if you'd like. He goes, No, I just want this one. So, y'all, he picked up this mangy, nasty dog, knowing I'm going to kill him. He puts that dog in the car. He is going to keep this dog, so he intentionally stops at the store, and he buys some flea and tick shampoo. So he comes walking in the house with a sack in one hand and this nasty dog in the other, and I did not fail his expectations. He walked in, and I said, whoa, and he said, Debbie, this is my dog. He said, you don't have to touch it. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to do anything with it, and I thought, well, you were right about that. Uh, my, can I tell you about my dog? Uh, he was a brown dog. He's supposed to be white. He's a short-haired dog. He's supposed to be a long-haired dog. And if you know anything, I know we're getting ready to eat lunch in a minute, but uh, he had fleas and ticks all over him, and he had blood ticks behind his ear that are full of blood. He was a mangy mutt. So Steve took that dog. He walked right past me and went straight to the bathroom. And I heard him getting bath water going in the bathtub. Now, y'all, I just was curious, but I didn't want him to know I cared. And so I went and stood outside of the bathroom door. And I want to tell you what I heard. Steve would scrub that little dog. And every once in a while, he would stop because he had to pull some of those ticks off of that dog. And when he would pull ticks off of that dog, that dog would cry. Mm. And I would hear Steve say to this dog over and over, mm. buddy. You're going to be better. Trust me, buddy. You're going to be better. When he got that dog as clean as he could, he brought the dog into the den that night. And I remember Buddy laid flat on the floor. It was in front of the fireplace, so it must have been wintertime. I think it was the first time he had ever been able to lay still. And then I want you to know what I noticed that night. If I got up from where I was sitting to go in the kitchen, the dog could have cared less and he never moved. But if Steve merely crisscrossed his legs, Buddy's head went up. And if Steve got up to go in another part of the house, Buddy got up and went with him. And for the rest of Buddy's life, he was 100% loyal to him. Why? 
Because he saved him. Do you know that you're just a bunch of dogs with ticks? But what you have forgotten, what you have forgotten, and I know you've forgotten it, because we aren't living with an attitude of gratitude. What you have forgotten is that he loved you enough that when Satan said, "Uh uh-uh, I want that one, he said, oh, no, this one's mine. And he took you, and he cleaned you up, and it hurt. But he said to you over and over, you're going to be better. I promise you, you're going to be better. Let me tell you about my faith. I can't imagine what I'm going to do when I see him. I just can't imagine. Because I know what he's done for me. I know what he's put up with in me. And yet he has loved me every day. Where's your faith? Third point of the of the sermon today, are you a quitter when bad things happen to you? I'm done. Somebody does something wrong in the church, somebody does something wrong in the community, somebody does, spouse does something, your kids do something, your grandkids do something, something happens, you go, well, I'm never doing that again. You a quitter? Consider if you're joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many ticks, (laughs) because perseverance must finish its work don't be a quitter and if you're not a quitter you know what happens when you're not a quitter when when bad things do happen to you and you go okay god i don't understand why that's going to happen but i know you're in charge and you're uh, we can trust you and I'm a persevere, and I'm a stand through, and I'm a I'm a be a fighter, and I'm a I'm a be a fighter, and at the same time I'm a be a lover, and I'm a love the way you love because you took my ticks off. And when that happens, he says you will be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. This lacking morning, nothing. Steve turned on the TV. I want to tell you the first thing I saw on the TV, and it was a beautiful picture of perseverance. There was some kind of a marathon. I don't know what it was. Some long, long race. I guess a 26-miler. And this woman that had made it, except for 20 feet to the finish line, her legs just gave out. And she sat on that ground saying, help me. Somebody help me finish. And two girls stopped where they were in that race. From another college. And picked her up. Her enemies competitors and they picked her up and they carried her across that finish line and you know what I saw in my heart now she's mature now she's complete and now she's lacking nothing that's right come on guys we're gonna have trials we're gonna have difficulties but we have got to finish this race and finish it well because there is a world out there watching you If your God is really who they say it is, then when you're going through the hardest times, that's when they're going to watch you the most intensely and see where your faith is. How are you going to finish? Are you going to finish well? I want Steve to finish telling you about his dog. (laughs) Can I tell you the rest of the story? I used to jog and I found out it was dangerous. (laughs) That'll hurt your muscles. 
But I, I'd go, when we were young in our marriage, I used to, I used to jog and uh, Buddy and I were tight. Could I just tell you that? Everywhere I went, he wanted to go. And I, I'd walk out of the house and we, I'd go to the end of the driveway. It was a very short driveway. But we lived in a neighborhood that had no traffic. We just didn't have any traffic. So I'd jog. But I, I'd, I'd come out of the end of the driveway and I'd tell Buddy, I'd say, you stay right there. And I'd run half a block. I'd run a block. And I'd look back at Buddy, and I could see Buddy go, tell me when to come. Just tell me I'm coming. And I'd get a, half, I'd get a block down here, and I'd go, hey, Buddy, come on. And he'd get to me and go, man, I haven't seen you forever, man. <laughs> but you know what Buddy didn't do? If I said, you stay right there, and I, and I went a half a block, a block down the road, he didn't mosey off doing something else he wasn't supposed to be doing. You know what Buddy did? He kept his eye on me. Because I was going to call him. He's sitting there going, just call me. I'm coming. Jesus is calling you today. Jesus is taking all your ticks off. And some of it was painful. And some of you are ticked at him. Ticked. That's <laughs> sorry. I didn't really not mean to say that that way. Some of you are mad because he took your ticks off. Because of the trials that have come your way. A while ago, I asked you to put the worst day of your life on a piece of paper, and some of you said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Some of you have some splinters in your thumb that has covered up with time. But man, if you touch that, ah, maybe Jesus might have to dig a little bit today to get a splinter out. And see, some of you this morning in worship, some of you did that already. But that was, maybe that was with kids and husbands and wives, but maybe today he's calling you. Okay, we're not talking about Everybody, we're talking about you and him. Because some of you've wandered off and Jesus is saying, come on. So here's the invitation today. In a few seconds, we're going to stand and I'm going to ask you to come on. I want you to lay don't go yet. Don't check out. I want you to lay the worst day of your life at the altar. Yeah. And then I want you to, when you leave this, when you go out the exit doors today, not, don't come back somehow and pick this back up. Because Jesus said, I pulled that off of you. Don't let it infect you anymore. Some of it's this week, next, this month. Some of it was 50 years ago. Well, I don't want, I don't want, I'm not going there today, Steve. Okay, it's fine. But Jesus is calling you to come on for some of you to get back in the game because he's calling you to come and let it go. Some of you are going to miss heaven by 18 inches because you got it in your head, but he has not transformed your life. And nothing's different. When Jesus, I asked, I, I, told Je, I asked Jesus in my heart, I told my mom when I came home, she said, it's a fad, 
you'll get over it. When Jesus transformed my life, I didn't get over it. And some of us has got over it because he didn't transform us. And let me tell you, let me tell you what Steve and I are going to do. When you bring your worst day up here, Steve and I are going to pick them all up. Woo! And this week, we're going to pray over those because we 